Watch Podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch Podcast, we're going to be discussing an article from the March issue of the Beef Watch newsletter titled, Don't Panic, Preparing for Calving Season is Simple and Easy. To discuss this, I'm joined today by the author, Jesse Fulton, who's a Nebraska Extension Educator and also the Director of the Nebraska Beef Quality Assurance Program. Thanks for joining me today, Jesse. Happy to be here, Aaron. Thanks for having me. Well, Jesse, as we record this podcast, we're here in early March. For some producers in Nebraska, their spring calving season is well underway. For others, it's just around the corner. But you opened this article talking about how it's the most wonderful time of the year. And I thought it was a really a nice way to lead in. As I visit with cow-calf producers, you know, I think calving season is one of the times of the year that they often most look forward to. There's something about new calves, uh, seeing this new crop that's coming on that just uh, makes this business enjoyable. But in doing that, we need to be thinking about how can we be prepared so we're giving those new calves the best opportunity we can to thrive and do well. You really highlight some key things in this article to do that. Let's have a conversation about that. Yeah, Aaron, you're exactly right. You know, uh, calving season is is a wonderful time for a lot of producers. They get to see uh, how their genetic selections that they picked for their herd, um, whether choosing the bull to the cow if they're AIing or the bull they bought at the last bull sale, um, how he performs on their herd and what kind of offspring he produces. But, you know, once that calf hits the ground, that's just the start of the hard work. Now we have to keep that calf alive. And so, you know, I went around and, and talked to a lot of industry experts uh, in this article from across the nation, um, not just here in Nebraska, but in other places. So we could just have a perspective of how other places also prepare for calving. And they were all pretty much insistent with their first answer that uh, you need to have a vet ready to go. So um, we talk about it in BQA all the time, having a VCPR or veterinary client patient relationship. Um, and we find that very important to have because when it's two in the morning and maybe we're in a snowstorm or something and you need the vet to get out there to help you assist uh, with a dystocia or something, um, when, when you have a cow in labor, you need to make sure you have a vet that you can rely on that can come out and, and assist you. Um, you got to remember that you're probably not the only producer that's calving uh, at this time period, right? Uh, spring calving is the most popular in the nation. Uh, most calves are born in the springtime. And so uh, you got you to be prepared to uh, have that vet on call because if it's a vet that you don't work real close with and you just call them up out of the blue, I can tell you that they're probably going to put the customer that is always working with them ahead of you. Um, just because that's that's their client, right? They're already they already have that VCPR a relationship with that other client. So make sure you have your VCPR in order with your veterinarian and let them know your calving window even, uh, so they can look at their list and know what producers they have in the area that's calving and who they might need to respond to. Um, it also helps them know what facilities you have at your operation. Maybe they need to bring something additional uh, in the event that you have a calf that needs pulled. Um, so just be prepared for a lot of that stuff. You mentioned the veterinarian client patient relationship. And I think, you know, we're talking now about the calf on the ground, but really getting that healthy calf on the ground starts clear back uh, when that calf is being conceived. And then also that last trimester leading up to calving having a proper vaccination program in place, uh, making sure those cows are an adequate body condition score. Those are things that are a conversation we need to have with a vet as well. 
Yes, very much so. You know, nutrition is very important when it comes um, towards the end of when we're having calves. We need to make sure our cows are in good body condition score. We don't want them too thin, but we also got to remember that we can overfeed them and make them too fat. And if we do that, we can have a lot more issues with dystocia. Now, the reason why we want good condition on these cows is because it can actually impact their colostrum. Uh, you know, we call it white gold when it comes to, to milk in calves. And so we want to make sure that our cow has really good colostrum so that she has a lot of antibodies that she's and that passive immunity that she's passing on to that calf to give our calf a better chance at survival. Uh, another thing that's really important in, in uh, calves is uh, selenium. Um, you know, we got to be careful with selenium. That's why usually whenever we buy products that have selenium in it, it is prescription because of toxicity issues, but it is vital to brood cows because in some geographical regions, it's been known that there are insufficient amounts of selenium in forages and feeds. And if newborn calves don't have enough selenium, they actually lack that suckle reflex at birth um, and have that and don't have that initiative to nurse. So it's very important that we check out for that. Also, Selenium is important for the prevention of white muscle disease. You know, sometimes we see that in calves. It's not very often, you know, it's also not very often that we, we do have selenium insufficiencies, but we also need to be cognizant of that and be prepared for that and know what to look for those signs and symptoms. So again, going back to your vet, talking to your vet, what do I look for um, if I'm concerned that maybe my cow was uh, insufficient in selenium. Now, if we got a good mineral program on our operation or we know and we test, that's another thing that we always talk about as beef educators. Um, I know you talk about it a lot. I talk about it a lot in BQA. We need to be testing our feedstuffs. We need to know exactly what's in those feedstuffs. And you can run a mineral panel on your feedstuffs and see exactly what your selenium levels are. Again, we do not want to have selenium toxicity. That's a quick way to harm our herd and actually lead to a lot of death instances. You also mentioned in the article the importance of having some record keeping in place, and also along with that, making sure that all of your supplies are ready for the start of calving. Walk through with us some of the key things you think we ought to remember there. Yeah, you know, sometimes when it comes to uh, calving, paperwork is important. And when I say paperwork, I, I know a lot of people are like, oh no, we have to do more paperwork, especially when calving falls in the spring and it's also tax season, right? So a lot of producers are actually busy in the paperwork right now. Well, calving records is very important for our herd. Um, we need to make sure we, you know, first of all, that goes all the way back to when we probably did our preg checking, right? With our vet. Our vet called off how many days she's probably bred. We know when our bull was turned in and when we pulled him out. So that's one of the first things is having just a tentative calving calendar. Now, not every cow reads the book. And so we don't know for sure when she's going to calve. She might not reach full gestation um, or she might go past gestation length. And so it's just important that we have that on hand. You know, if we AI, we can, you know, a lot of producers know exactly when, when they bred her and they can get it down pretty much to the number a day when she might go. And it just tells us that we can keep a closer eye on that animal as we approach calving. And maybe if we're a, an operation that um, has a larger paddock that we bring cattle in and then we bring them a little closer as they're about to calve, um, it just tells us what cows we need to be keeping a close eye on. Uh, another thing with the record keeping system is it helps us identify those pairs and having uh, notes in there such as 
who the calf sire was, what the calving ease of that animal was uh, for maternal and direct. Calving birth weight is another thing that comes into play. So that whenever it comes time that we're possibly picking our replacement heifers, or uh, maybe you're an operation that keeps back commercial bulls and sells them. It's good to have that data um, so that you can look back and see, okay, this calf was a big calf, or um, it was a hard pull. Maybe I don't want these genetics in my herd. Maybe I need to call this animal out um, and not keep them around just so we don't have headaches in the future. It's also good to have a standard operating procedure is kind of like what we like to call it an SOP um, written down of when we're calving, what we're going to do, what are the steps we need to take. Again, another spot where you can work really close with your vet and kind of lay out, okay, cow's been in labor for this long what should I do? Or how long do I wait before I actually intervene? And what equipment should I use to start intervening? What do I need to reach in and feel for and try to figure out? And then I do have that equipment list. It's all too often that we're calving and we think we have our supplies and then it's two in the morning, we're going to pull that calf and you know we're out of OB lube or something like that. Or we can't find our OB chains. We swear we hung them on the wall right there, but they're not there anymore. They got moved somehow. So just before calving, having that list written down of all the things that, you know, you've ever needed when you were calving, if you've been calving for 20 years, you know, you remember all the the times that you've had to pull a calf or something like that, or you've had problems, you've got that list in your mind. We'll just write it down real quick, make a checklist, go find all that stuff and put it in a common spot where you know exactly where to go to near the chute when you might be bringing a cow in to assist in her calving. One of the other things you talk about is just reminding yourself of the stages of labor. You already touched on this a little bit, but going over that with your veterinarian. And then I think also, as you mentioned with your standard operating procedure, if I get to a place where I recognize I'm not making progress here, or I run into something I don't know how to deal with, then I need to give a call to my veterinarian or someone else who has more expertise to come and assist me. Yes, you're exactly right. You know, that's something that's really important is recognizing those stages of labor um, and when to intervene. Sometimes uh, we get a little uneasy when we watch a cow out there in labor and, and has she gone too long? Has she not gone long enough? And, you know, sometimes some of us are itching to intervene and maybe sometimes that ain't the best thing to do going out there too early. Maybe she's doing just fine. She's making progress um, because we don't want her to get up and start walking around where it could actually delay labor. Um, we want her to get that calf out as soon as possible. So work with your vet, recognize those stages of labor. You know, we, we talk about this in the article a little bit, the, the first stage of labor, having that visible sign. Um, if, and if it, you know, this can go up to several hours, that first stage of labor. Now we talk about if it goes more than eight hours, then we need to reach inside and try to figure out what's going on. Uh, stage two should be no longer than two hours. When we first see that water sack being out. It shouldn't go past two hours. If, if nothing, if the cow isn't trying and we've seen the water sack come out, we need to intervene. We need to figure out what's going on. Again, just recognizing all those stages of labor and when we need to call our vet and have them come out and do something, because it could be possible that um, she, the vet needs to come out and perform a C-section. And so if that's the case, you know, we need to be prepared to be able to get that animal up. And, and another thing when it comes to working these animals I, I did another article with a gal where we were talking about safety during calving. We don't want to get these animals too worked up. We don't need to be stressing them out because if we do need to assist her, 
and we've got her stressed out. Her internal switch is now probably switched from the flight to fight mode and she'll be on the fight. And that's the last thing we want uh, whenever we have a cow or a heifer um, that we need to assist. And we got our vet coming out. It just puts two people in harm's way. And that's the last thing we want. So uh, again, work with your veterinarian to identify these stages of labor when you need to actually intervene um, and give them a call. You also give some just reminders of things like colostrum, warming up a calf, uh, some other things to do if we assist a calf at birth or we come to a calf that needs some warming up because of a cold situation. Uh, Just kind of give us a quick overview, Jesse, of some things to remember there. Yeah, you know, it's all too often that I have seen and lots of veterinarians and a lot of people in this help me write this article have told me is they always see somebody pull a calf out. And the first thing they want to do is hang that calf upside down to try to get the fluid out of its lungs to help it breathe. We do not need to hang that calf upside down. When we do that, we actually put a lot of pressure on the diaphragm that restricts air from going into the lungs. The best thing to do is to sit that calf down on the ground with its back legs uh, directed up towards its head and, and kind of pushing on its on its lungs that way to help it breathe. If we want to stimulate it, um, we can give it a, a, you know, I say it in here, a somewhat forceful, but, you know, a good pinch on the nose to really stimulate that calf. Rub that calf all over. Um, that's what its mama would do if she was standing up, if she isn't standing up already um, to stimulate that calf. Uh, to make it breathe. You can take a piece of straw or something or hay and stick it up in its nose a little bit to stimulate it, to try to get it to breathe as well. Um, There's another thing I did not talk about in this article, but I've been seeing it pop up a little bit. I've got producers that I follow on social media that's actually already had to use this this year. And it's whenever we run into neonatal maladjustment syndrome or AKA dummy calf syndrome. And so what that is, is the calf wanders around aimlessly. It doesn't really want to suckle. Um, And the problem is sometimes when they've just been stuck in the birth canal for too long or something like that. And so there is something we can do to try to reboot that calf or stimulate that the calf is back in the birth canal um, and reboot that calf's brain. And what that's called is uh, the Madigan squeeze. You just take a rope and wrap around the calf a certain way. And you can find this on YouTube uh, by just Googling it and looking it up. Um, But again, you got to remember that there could be some other things that's happening. It's not necessarily dummy calf. So back to your veterinarian again, give them a call, let them know what you're seeing. Um, There could be some other things that could be contributing to a weak calf, uh, such as just it, you know, normal dystocia from difficult calving. It wore that calf out. Uh, the white muscle disease, um, calves that are being born to heifers are old cows, thin cows, um, hyperthermia if it's cold weather, um, if they have some, if they have uh, any infections, disease such as BVD or uh, lepto. Um, so th- those are other things that could cause a weaker dummy calf. But that's why I say go back to your vet and talk to them. Now, whenever we're talking about our colostrum and or if we feel like we need to get some additional colostrum into a calf, like we said earlier, it's white gold. Uh, research has shown that the longer that calf goes without getting colostrum into its system, the less likelihood of it to absorb that uh, colostrum effectively and to better that calf in survival decreases. So the longer we go, the less chance it has to help our calf. We talk about having colostrum on hand. So if you ever have a good milk cow and maybe you got a little bit of extra out of her, you could, you could use that. 
Let's say you don't have that opportunity and you have a neighbor nearby that has a cow and you can take some colostrum from their operation. We've talked about it, people doing that from dairies. The issue with that is biosecurity. There's a huge biosecurity risk when you are bringing a product like that from another herd into your herd. So you need to be very cautious of that. Now, back to if you have colostrum from your own herd and you freeze it and keep it, which you can do for a substantial amount of time, um, you need to properly reheat that colostrum. Uh, do not throw it in the microwave. That is not a good idea. You'll actually destroy those IgGs um, that are, or the, the antibodies that are in that colostrum to help that helps those calves. So the uh, best thing to do is get some warm water and slowly reheat that colostrum. We're not trying to get it super hot. Um, we don't want to boil it. We just need to get it thinned out, unfrozen to get it into that calf. Maybe we are not going to be able to get this calf to suckle again if it's weak and we need to tube this calf. Uh, make sure you are properly taught how to tube a calf and you know exactly what to look for and know that you're in the right place when you're tubing a calf in the stomach and not in the lungs. Um, that's a quick way to kill a calf by drowning it when you're actually trying to save it. Um, so again, work with your vet, go through what you need to be looking for, um, be aware of that stuff. Jesse, any other thing you think would be valuable for producers to think through and just be prepared for as they get ready for calving? Yeah, you know, um, again, I, I know I've been really strong on working with your vet. You know, our large animal vets uh, deserve a lot of love. They really do help us when things get gnarly. They they are there to help us out. And so I continuously want to say work with your vet. Also be prepared um, for what vaccines or supplements they might want you to give that calf at birth. Introduce them to your operation. Essentially, if, if you're not super close with your vet right now, get close with them. Let them know what problems you've had in the past with calving um, and they can help you out. They can give you some recommendations on what you might want to do. You know, I've been seeing some other things where or, and I have it in this article and I'd never heard of this about giving calves uh, a little bit of uh, a caffeine or, um, you know, some of the vets talk about giving them a five hour energy drink. I've also seen some people mix like a monster energy drink in with a, a supplemental milk that they're tubing a calf with, you know, that boost of caffeine can help that calf. If you've got a calf that's really weak and down, um, it can help give that calf a little extra energy to possibly get up and nurse. And they need to get up and nurse because that's how they keep warm. Making sure that we properly are heating any colostrum and, and milk replacer to the proper uh, temperature. When we give that calf, uh, uh, give it to that calf. We don't want to get that calf chilled. And then, of course, because it's the state of Nebraska and our weather is always changing from either freezing cold to mud, we need to have a game plan of what to do in adverse weather conditions. The last couple of years, we've seen all too often producers throwing a calf in their truck to get them warm. Uh, you know, that's what we have to do. We are, we are here to save those animals the best way we can. And so, you know, maybe we set something up in our garage or something, uh, you know, a large size doghouse that we could put the calf in with a heater blowing in there on it to get it warm, um, to uh, give that calf the best chance of survival. Um, so just being prepared for those adverse weather conditions, keep an eye on the weather. I mean, I know we all do already, but there's no such thing as being over-prepared. So again, work with your vet, be prepared. And I wish all of our producers the best of luck this calving season. I can't wait to see all the calving pictures online. Um, it's an exciting time for all producers. Thanks again for joining me today, Jesse. Thanks, Aaron. It was great to be here.
For more information on the topic that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, I would encourage you to visit the beef.unl.edu website. At the website, we have additional resources on this topic.